Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Go ahead, hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today we are going to meet someone who really inspired the start of this podcast. And for this health and happiness journey I have been on for the last few years. Her name is Dr. Brooke Goldner. On social media, she goes by Goodbye Lupus. She reversed her own lupus and now has done the same for thousands of others who have autoimmune disease. She's the creator of the Hyper Nourishing Protocol for Autoimmune Reversal and truly such an inspiring and informational interview. I'm so excited to share her story. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to welcome to the show Dr. Brooke Goldner, who is a board-certified medical doctor, the author of three best-selling books, the founder of GoodbyeLupus.com, creator of the hypernourishing protocol for autoimmune reversal, and also I know you are a wife and a mother as well, so I don't want to leave that out. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to have you here because actually I discovered you and your content, I think, in 2018, so about three years ago. And, um, you know, I have been Instagram stalking you, fair enough to say, and YouTube, <laughs> YouTube stalking you. Since then, actually went through your free course, brought my mom along as well. We both did it together and have implemented a lot of what you, you teach for free and all of your free content online as well. And have honestly gone on <laughs> to like spread the word with my friends and family and other people. And I've learned so much from you. So this is really exciting for me to get the opportunity to sit down and chat with you on the show today. That means a lot to me. I actually, uh, is this true that when I was being invited here, uh, the person invited me told me that that you following my protocol is what actually created this podcast that led to you doing this kind of work now? <laughs> it is true. So funny That's enough, that, yeah, funny enough is that when I mentioned in 2018 that I found you is because it wasn't by accident. I went like searching for the information because I started to have like autoimmune responses. Like I was never, I never ended up getting diagnosed with anything, but I was having hair falling out, rashes, pain, and like different things. And it was really a scary time for me. So I went searching for this information, like what can I do? Because a lot of what you talk about is, hey, traditional medicine just treats the symptoms. So they put me on a steroid, even though they're like, we didn't know what the issue was. And I felt awful. And I was like, I don't wanna do this. I feel like there's gotta be something else I can do. And that's how I ended up stumbling along and finding your content. And I figured, hey, I've been an extremely heavy meat eater. I came from like 
traditional bodybuilding and eating probably <laughs> like a pound and a half of meat a day when I was like really compete, competing. And I said, hey, what's the worst that could happen? And when I did your course, um, the next day I threw out all the meat I had and I never had <laughs> any meat again <laughs> since that day. So wow. my mom That's ended awesome. up- awesome. This is, I, I've now, this is the third podcast that uh, I've been told that doing my protocol gave birth to. So it just makes me so excited because that's my goal. I mean, why do I teach free classes? What's this crazy doctor doing online teaching classes? <laughs> Is this reason that if all of us keep doing this and keep spreading the word, the domino effect will be that we can actually eliminate inflammatory disease, not because the FDA decreed something, but because we, those of us who have healed won't shut up about it until we spread the word enough to make everybody else aware of it. So it just, that was very exciting. When I read that, I was just so psyched. So I'm really, I'm really excited that you not only used it for yourself, but that you're using it to continue to spread the world and, and make the world better. So that's really cool. So for those who don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So uh, who am I? So, well, <laughs> most people know me as Dr. G or Dr. Brooke Goldner, but uh, before I was ever a doctor, I was a patient. So uh, younger than you were, I started getting sick around 14. I started getting terrible migraines and these were stay in bed for a week, puking kind of migraines, um, got all the tests done. My family joke was that they did the MRI and all they proved was I do have a brain, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, couldn't find any cause for it. So they gave me medicines for pain. And then I started getting random joint pains when I was 16 and they weren't sure why, but they gave me medicine for pain. Uh, then I started getting rashes. And so things started to progress. And finally, one day I had the whole shebang. I had been at the pool with my friends, came home, terrible migraine. My knees were swollen. I'm throwing up from pain. And when I came out of the bathroom, my rash was bright red on my face. And my parents looked at me and went, oh, whoa, something's really wrong here. And I called my doctor up and we met her in the ER. And finally, she saw the whole picture together and went, okay, rash, arthritis, oh, okay. And they did the test and they diagnosed me with lupus. So here I am 16, you know, thought it was bad enough that I had complexion issues and some, you know, painful joints and headaches. Uh, now they're telling me I have an incurable disease. But even worse than that was the blood test showed there were abnormalities in my kidneys. So they immediately scheduled me for a kidney biopsy. And the next day I'm in a nephrologist's office finding out that I have stage four kidney failure, uh, lupus nephritis. And at the time they said it was the most aggressive form of lupus nephritis and they gave me six months to live. So it was kind of this thing where, well, we can give you steroids. You'll be at best on dialysis in six months. At worst, you won't survive. Or we have this experimental new treatment. <laughs> Would you like to try it? Um, and at the time it was using high doses of chemotherapy to uh, in, to intentionally suppress the immune system because uh, lupus is an autoimmune disease, meaning that it is a disease where your own immune system stops being able to recognize self from non-self. So instead of attacking viruses and bacteria and things it's supposed to attack, it starts attacking your own organs. So they thought, well, you didn't have kidney failure last year. Uh, what if we just give you so much chemotherapy that it completely suppresses your immune system, which by the way, is why people with cancer often die of infections. It's because the chemo suppress their immune system. So like, what if we do that on purpose? Kind of like rebooting, you know, like your computer's not working. You just shut it off, say a prayer, wait a few seconds, turn it back on. Maybe the glitch is gone, right? So that was the theory. And it actually, it, it works for some people. 
but at the time, I was one of the first people to get it, and they didn't know how long to give it for, how much to give. So I had increasingly higher doses of chemotherapy over the next two years. So from 16 wow. to 18, um, I took high dose steroids, I took seven other medications, and I took high dose chemotherapy to survive. I, I got a lot of good out of it. I learned what I'm made of. Mm -hmm. I learned that uh, from my family that, you know, my family, I'm actually first born in America. My grandparents are Holocaust survivors. My mom was born in Poland after the war. So they came here, you know, to escape persecution and to start over. So, you know, I, I'm, I knew that I was still very lucky, even if I had lupus and chemotherapy and all these things, I felt very lucky because I was also free. Mm -hmm. uh, I was able to go to school and, and, and have good doctors and medications and things like that. So, so even though most people would have felt very unlucky, I still felt lucky because there I had my, my grandmother and her friends with the tattoos of, of numbers on their arms from the concentration camps. You know, I, yeah. I had a lot of perspective on what a lucky person I was. Um, when you beat lupus, nothing else will feel like a big deal. It'll be like, oh, a flood? Okay, let's deal with the flood. Oh, okay, you know, this is happening? Okay, let's deal with that. Like, it's just nothing is a problem anymore. There's no problems. <laughs> um, no. But, you know, that was life. And I, and I did my medicines then. Um, I went on to graduate in top 10 of my class in high school. I got a scholarship to my first choice college, Carnegie Mellon. I did genetic research for a few years there. Um, went to medical school, which was not uh, something that's recommended for people with autoimmune disease because you're supposed to watch your stress and your sleep. Not exactly. So I did get sick again then uh, where I needed to take more medicines. I, um, I actually started getting double vision and developed um, what I didn't know at the time. I was developing, you know, spots in my hands and I, and I had this double vision. I didn't know what was going on. And I finally saw my doctors and found out that I was having mini strokes because the lupus was now causing blood clots. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's chronic, meaning you're supposed to have it forever. It's progressive, meaning it gets worse over time. And that's with the best medicines there are. Um, and I had accepted that. And I just decided I'm going to live my dreams anyway, because, hey, you know what? None of us know how long we live, but you know, at least I have the foresight to know that I have a limited time. So I'm just going to go after life in a really big way. I was trained to be a traditional medical doctor. Uh, I didn't plan to go into the wellness route. I probably would have rolled. I know I would have rolled my eyes at it uh, 20 years ago. Um, I was a genetic researcher who was chief resident of my class. Like I studied and learned everything that had to teach me. I never had any thought that my diet or lifestyle had anything to do with my illness because I would have learned it in all those years. Um, it was an accident. I, I fell in love with someone who wanted to marry a sick girl, mm -hmm. um, Thomas Tadlock, and his obsession is metabolism and that there should be an optimal diet for human metabolism, uh, that everybody should have the best diet for losing weight, right? If we're all human, <laughs> why is one high carb, one low carb, one high fat? Low, like there must be one optimal way, just like there's an optimal diet for cats and there's an optimal diet for cows. <laughs> there must be an optimal diet for humans. So that was his obsession. And combining his obsession with metabolism with my own dietary restrictions, I was a vegetarian because I love cows. Uh, and so we combined our stuff together, um, mostly because I just wanted to look good for our wedding. And he was like a celebrity trainer. So I thought I could have a celebrity wedding body. Um, <laughs> and what happened is it worked. I went from a size 11 to a size three in three months. I was totally ripped at our wedding. Uh, the surprise was I also tested negative for lupus for the first time in 12 years. Um, the antibodies, kidney function was normal. Everything was normal. Blood clots were gone. Um, and today is 16 years later. This month, last month, October was exactly 16 years that I've been lupus free. 
Um, I've never had any relapse ever in 16 years. Uh, I've been able to have two kids. I was told I could never have children. And turning 45, I feel better than I felt at 25. Uh, so that is the shortest version of how I can tell you of who I am and what I do. So, you know, but that's why I'm so exuberant about teaching this. You know, the reason yeah. you found my free classes and stuff is I feel like this shouldn't be a secret. It should be that everybody knows what they need to do to be healthy. And even though I've been lupus free for 16 years, um, you know, I've been doing disease reversal for uh, probably about a dozen at this point. Um, because I really wanted to make sure that that what I was teaching was was scientific and true and reproducible so that everyone who listened to me could just apply what I was saying and get healthy. So question, you mentioned going after life, following all of your dreams was mm -hmm. becoming a medical doctor always a part of your dream? Or do you think that, or was that inspired by your experiences growing up and with your health? Probably all of the above. I mean, I've always been a nerd. And, and so I knew I was going to do something nerdy. Um, my passions were science and writing. And actually, that's what I, at Carnegie Mellon, I, was, I, I minored in, in creative writing. So writing books has been a fun way to, to use some of that. But um, yeah, I think that I was probably going into that area. I've always been a caretaker. I love taking care of people. I did do some, you know, genetic research for a few years, and I found that it was very unfulfilling for me. I liked coming up with the science and designing the experiments, but sitting in a lab by yourself for hours with test tubes. And then even when something works, well, is it reproducible? Oh my God, I couldn't reproduce it. Let me start again. It was just tedious. Mm -hmm. And uh, scientific research is tedious. It takes a long time to even have something work. And even when it works, you don't even know if it really worked. And it just wasn't me. And I realized, you know what, maybe I'm not, because I thought maybe I'll find the cure for lupus in the lab, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but realized, you know what, I don't think that's my role. <laughs> Funny thing. Uh, but I thought maybe, you know, what I was really meant to do is help people learn how to have good lives with chronic disease. Because I'm good at that. Uh, I'm really good at happy. I'm really good at staying motivated and, and focusing on passion and what's good in the world. And so uh, I thought maybe I can help patients have good lives in spite of having diseases. I actually, actually ended up specializing in trauma and depression, anxiety after being a medical student and seeing how people with depression didn't heal as well from even wounds or, or surgeries or cancer mm. as well as happy people did. And it became very clear to me that maybe part of my recovery, the fact that even though it did take years of chemo and steroids, I did recover. I mean, I still had a disease. I still took medicines, but I still did better than many people do. And maybe that's part of the reason. And maybe if I help people with that aspect of their life, then they'll be healthier and have a better quality of life regardless of diagnosis. So that's where I was coming at it from. It sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that this, you know, um, I guess reversal of your lupus happened kind of by accident as you were preparing for your, your wedding when you went from size 11 to size three. Um, yeah. What exactly did you go through in the, that three month period? Was it just a change in nutrition? What happened that ended up <laughs> reversing the lupus? Well, it definitely wasn't decreased uh, stress because I was an intern. <laughs> I was working 30 hour shifts, which was what was so remarkable about it. So mainly it was a change in my, so it was changing my nutrition and my, well, I include this in nutrition, but water intake. So being a medical student and an intern, the only liquids I ever drank were caffeinated. Like I didn't understand the point <laughs> of anything that wasn't caffeinated. So yeah. 
coffee, diet, soda, you know, stuff like that. Anything with caffeine. Um, water was not really, I didn't really think about water. And so I went from drinking nothing but coffee and soda to drinking a gallon of water a day. And I gave up all of the, I was a vegetarian, but I was eating eggs and cheese with every meal. My husband said, you know, as long as you're eating all that saturated fat, fat loss is going to be hard. So unless you want to eat egg whites, I'm like, that's gross. So I said, all right, no, no animal products, fine. And he'd never trained a vegetarian before. So he didn't know what to do because he was at the time, he knew that the vegetable intake was crucial to developing the metabolism. But he still did believe his teachers from his master's classes who said protein was meat was necessary for protein. So he was still doing both. It was kind of like what paleo is now, actually, but this is many years ago before that was a term, mm -hmm. um, at least a term in the dietary world, was free range meat for lower inflammation and then lots of vegetables, things like that. But he was using raw vegetables, high omega-3. And I said, I'm not going to eat the meat. So he said, I don't know, let's try soybeans or tofu and do everything else the same. It worked just as well for the fat loss, no problem, but he'd never had somebody get rid of their disease before. And I suddenly went from having arthritis and migraines and fatigue to working 30 hour shifts and having so much energy, I'd go to the gym after my shift, which is not normal if you don't have lupus, uh, clear skin, no pain. But I mean, it healed me of an incurable disease. And I don't even say we were cured because people are like, tune it out, it's incurable. Um, but I have had negative blood tests for 16 years, I've had kids. I have no protein in my ear and I have normal kidney function. I have no blood clots. So whatever you want to call that, you want to call that a really incredible long-term remission. Okay. My previous remissions, I still needed <laughs> meds and had positive labs, but whatever you want to call it, that combination, I mean, talk about marrying the right guy. Um, it's like fate right. set us together. And, uh, and we felt very strongly that it wasn't just meant so that we could ride off into the sunset together, but that we were meant to to bring this to the world. My question is really around, hey, if I or somebody else wants to tell our friends or family about this, but they are still in the mindset of you need meat for protein. How do you introduce that and start getting people to wrap their mind around that you can take in plenty of protein without animal products? Well, that's the cool thing about science it's not opinion. It's just, you can just present facts. Like you can argue with theories, but you can't argue with results. I've been doing this for so long. I have thousands of cases right. where these people have low blood protein levels because of disease, not because of diet. And then they go on a raw vegetable fruit diet and their blood protein goes to normal. So you get, obviously, you get all the protein you need from fruits and vegetables. You don't need to eat meat for, for protein because uh, we've proven it over and over again. And there's many plant-based eaters who are eating cooked plant-based foods, whatever, and they have normal protein levels. So the only time someone has low protein levels is because of starvation. If you're starving, you know, when people try to talk about kwashiorkor, uh, that's a disease of starvation. So yes, those people have low blood protein, but they have low everything. They're starving, right? So from starvation or from disease like inflammation or kidney failure, but not because you eat plants. So the data shows that you do not need to eat meat for protein and eating too much animal protein actually causes disease. It can accelerate kidney failure. It's associated with cancer and autoimmune disease and heart disease. So really most of the diseases people have are a result of overeating animal protein. And the answer is, actually eating the plants. So people can argue their beliefs all they want. It doesn't matter because the results prove that actually eating animals is causing their problems, 
not solving them. And most of the people who argue with you about protein, it's not, they're not usually healthy themselves. Right. So. Probably most people are finding you once they are having symptoms or once they are sick. Sure. Yeah. And that someone who feels as though they are healthy is not necessarily going to make this change unless they are prompted because they don't feel good. Um, is there a way for those of us who are like, hey, this is the better side to be on eating raw plants and, and, and vegetables and fruits um, that we can introduce it to others who are just like not of that mindset? Well, I mean, the human psychology, we usually only change when we're hurting, right? In any sense, right? Whether you're in a relation, a bad relationship, it finally hurts enough that you're willing to leave, right? right. <laughs> Changing your diet. Um, usually people only make changes when they're hurting. We inherit many things from our family, but we also inherit their diet. And so if your family has uh, a genetic tendency towards diabetes or heart disease or autoimmune disease, um, and you have a lifestyle that will support the activation of those diseases, then yes, you will get it. Uh, so I, I think that that's another place you can enter into with people. But again, their interest is going to be different based on um, their own pain. So if you can introduce it, like, yeah, I know that you're not sick. Like with my husband, he wasn't sick and here he was, he's on, you know, he's been on TV and, and training people for shows and stuff that, and he was afraid that he would lose all of his muscle. Um, so I actually convinced him to try it. He was just going to do it for, uh, eight weeks and then go back to what he was doing. But on the third day, he had this breakthrough where he's like, I've never felt so grounded and so good. I'll never eat meat again. And this was a man who was eating meat five times a day as you know, and then he did, he, he solved the mystery and he figured out he could do it even better in less time on half the protein as a meat-based diet. In his family, his uncle had just died of colon cancer and had had, you know, heart disease and bypass surgeries. Uh, his dad had high cholesterol and heart disease. Um, you know, so I was like, wait, now I'm going to live forever and then you're going to have cancer and heart disease. That's not right. You know, but there was addiction there. So it finally took a challenge for him. So sometimes you can do it as a challenge, like give it a month, see how you feel. If you can always eat meat again if you want to, but why not try it? Uh, and the other part is just talking from your own feelings. Like, I know you're well, but I'm scared. I want to grow old with you. I love you. And I'm worried about, you know, what's going to happen to you because everyone in your family ends up with high blood pressure and heart disease right? Mm -hmm. We know that there's a dietary cause to that. Uh, you know, it would be amazing to see you do it. But yeah, I, I don't, you know, I think uh, you're right. I mean, I, I always tell people you, you only find something when you're searching. Mm -hmm. So, right. you know, if you're not searching, uh, usually people are just bothering you when they're trying to present you with things that you're not looking right. for. Right. Okay. Another objection is, hey, I, I like this. I want to do this, but how can I be social? How can I be at this party? Or how can I go out to this bar, this restaurant with my friends and still adhere to this type of diet? Yeah, you know, um, I've never had problems with this uh, because I am super social. And I figure that if someone's inviting me somewhere, it's not because of what I'm going to order. <laughs> They're inviting me because they want to hang out with me, right? So, so being social and what you eat don't have to be tied together. Yes, eating can be social, but I, you know, I help people with this issue all the time where they feel insecure about ordering a salad when other people are ordering burgers. But do you feel angry at someone else for ordering a burger if you don't feel like it? Like, why does it really matter? So I think some of it is just um, dealing with, you know, and those folks, I'm really dealing with self-esteem. 
is it okay for me to show up and ask for what I want and have it be different than other people? Am I still equally lovable and worthy if I'm not blending in, but standing out and doing something differently? Um, so, you know, you can go anywhere. You can eat before you go and then just order whatever they have that's on plan for you. And that way you're not gonna be hungry. And if someone asks you, be like, I ate before I got here, I'm just here to be social, right? Mm -hmm. Which you could do in any place. You can order tea and say, I ate before I got here, I'm just being social. Um, or you can ask to pick. Hey guys, I'm on a health kick. How about we go to Salada and, and, and get these big salad bowls? They're awesome. Um, most people are interested in that, actually. Most people would be willing to do that. So, you know, I think that it's really less of a problem of that it's hard. It's more of a problem of self-esteem and willingness to kind of stand out. And I think the other part of it is um, the most difficult part of changing your diet this way is making the decision. So when you're thinking about making the decision, you come up with all these objections. Like, what about when I go out? What about Christmas? And what about Thanksgiving? And what about this? And what about that? And then it's just, oh my God, it's too overwhelming. Let me not do it. But once you do it, it's actually no big deal. So when it comes to nutrition and everything that you've learned over these last years with not only in your own life, but thousands of others that you mentioned, you learned none of this in medical school. No. <laughs> so I learned the pathways, which helped me understand once this happened to me. And I think that's been the most valuable contribution I can give besides the healing process is I have so many doctors that follow me and nurses, and I have a pharmaceutical researcher that I treat, uh, people who, who work with me because they know that I understand the science, they've watched my classes, they get, you know, whereas if it was just some random person uh, saying it, they just, whatever. Um, so I, the, the background I have helps me understand it and teach it and make it real, you know, make the science real to people. Uh, that's why I have a specific protocol. It's not just eat plants, but it's a protocol for disease reversal, looking at cellular function. Um, but so my ability to do that came from being a scientist and a doctor, but the actual information about how nutrition affects the health, none of that was taught in medical school. I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think the medical profession is changing and kind of catching up to some of this? Absolutely, the medical profession is catching up. You know, uh, I know the exams and the education are the same, but the internet has changed everything. You know, so um, there's uh, at least there's one medical student podcast that interviewed me last year, medical students who are trying to spread information about nutrition and health. Uh, Wayne Medical School in Detroit, they invited me to come speak and, and the medical school there, they didn't get education in plant-based nutrition. So they started their own group and, and brought in their own speakers to teach them because the medical school wouldn't. Wow. So it is changing. It's not fast enough for the people who are currently ill is the problem, but it really is changing. And I think that the internet has made a huge difference because we can reach people in a better way. And um, even the medical students, they're online, they're learning. There's going to be a lag in the efficiency of it or the effectiveness of it, right? Like I have a lot of plant-based doctors who come to me for help because they know plants good, meat bad, but they don't know how to apply things. So when they get sick, they come to me and I help them. Um, but the, uh, so, and I remember once I, I went to a thing where, um, you know, whenever there's a panel, I look up who's on the panel with me, you know, who's going to be there. And there was someone on the panel and I saw that they had on their website that they treat autoimmune disease. So I said, hey, what are your results in autoimmune disease? And it says we treat, okay. 
And, uh, and I said, what are your results? She goes, well, we haven't actually treated anyone with autoimmune disease yet. <laughs> so, so we treat or we want to treat like what? Right, you know? right. Which one so, is it? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think that it's sexy right now and everyone wants to jump on board, which is good, but you still have to do some background work to find out like, do you have any cases? Do you have any results? Um, mm -hmm. Because everyone wants to know it now. I mean, there's a division. There's some who really are into it, want to know it. And then there's those who still shake their head and, and don't acknowledge it. Um, but it, it is moving in that right direction. And I'm really excited about that. And I'm really excited to be at the forefront of that. It, I, I think we're going to see enormous amounts of change in the next you know, 10, 20 years um, when the FDA will catch up is a whole nother thing though, I don't. <laughs> right, right. It's interesting because hearing you say this reminds me of another conversation I had with an emergency room physician um, who actually started like a support group for uh, medical professionals. Um, she, it was born out of COVID and just the, the stress that uh, those on the front lines were facing. And she mentioned to me, kind of unrelated, but related that actually like i guess i don't know if it when when it comes to boards or something if you fill out something that says you've seen a psychologist or psychiatrist or that you've been you know dealing with mental health issues that it could actually negatively impact you in your medical career and that's why she was saying a lot of doctors don't speak up about the stress that they face um and she's trying to actively change that and I was like, well, doesn't that seem very contradictory in the medical profession? Um, so that was just another podcast interview I had. But just hearing some of these things where it seems like things are a little bit backwards or like you were saying, things have to get catch up in the medical profession um, yeah. seems very apparent. I mean, I've never heard that about, you know, depression being an issue. I mean, most docs I know <laughs> have struggled with it at some point. Um, it's the most common disease people go to the doctor for is depression. But, um, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, looking at how change is happening, it takes time. You know, when in the 1950s, we already had established research showing that cigarettes could cause lung cancer. And yet in the 50s, everywhere you went, there was cigarettes. People were smoking on planes all the way through the eighties, right? They were, they, your doctor recommends Marlboro versus this company, right? That everybody was doing it. And yet here there's some researchers going, Hey guys, you know, I think it's bad. You know, people are coughing up Brown stuff, but eh, I'm sure that's fine. Right. And all this stuff's happening and the research was there, mm -hmm. but then it wasn't until the eighties that the FDA came out and said, all right, smoking's bad. So between having the research and getting the momentum to have them come out and push back against a major industry uh, in that way, it took a long time and a lot of deaths, a lot of deaths. Change is slow and we're fighting back against major industry. And it's, uh, I mean, even the, the current guidelines for the, the plate of what we're supposed to eat, they're influenced by industry. I mean, there were the dairy company, meat companies have sued before to make sure that they were on the menu the way they should be. But again, it's changing. Canada, their last food plate they came out with, they took dairy off. They did that. They did that. Our neighbor did that. Like what courage they showed. Yeah. Um, so I think, and then the World Health Organization, which is the consensus of science from all over the world, has listed certain meats as the same level of carcinogen as smoking and asbestos. 
And the rest of the meat says likely carcinogen, which is being very gentle in their language. Where is that in our country? That's the world consensus. So, so it's happening, you know, Canada and the world consensus, America's still in this bubble uh, where we're waiting for it to break through in a bigger way, but there's only so long that bubble can, can, can be there without bursting. Hmm. And I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to happen in our lifetime. And lastly, I always like to ask for a health and wellness tip. Like if you could just kind of give people an actionable tip that they could implement in their lives or they should implement in their lives every day, starting right away, like what would be that thing? Actionable tip. The best thing you can do for your health right now, starting right now is to add what you're missing. You know, we're having a big conversation about how meat and dairy are bad for you. And then of course, processed foods, oils, we didn't even get to, but one of the largest issues I see in people's uh, people who are sick is malnourishment. So if you can, instead of focusing on what you're afraid of giving up on, instead focus on what you can add, it's a really great way where you can start changing your health today and it'll start naturally crowding out the stuff that you shouldn't be eating. And as you feel better, you might crave it less. But I have found that to be the most powerful way I can help people change their diet is to add what they're missing. And the way I do that is actually I use green smoothies. Um, I just put mine in the sink or I'd show you, uh, I still drink them. That's what powers all my energy that I've got every day. But the biggest thing people are missing are vitamins and minerals, omega-3s and water. So my husband and I realized that if we shove all that into a blender where we fill it 75% with like spinach, kale, greens, take a handful of flax or chia for omega-3, and then the rest of the way, fill it with fruit that tastes good, like frozen cherries and pineapple and bananas and you know, whatever, those that kind of good stuff. You now have a huge amount of water, you've got a huge amount of nutrition, and you've got omega-3s, we call it hypernourishment. You can blend that up and say, you know what? I'm just gonna add this to my diet. So I have to finish this blender by the end of the day, and then I eat whatever else I want in addition to it. And what that does is, one, it'll increase your metabolic rate because all of those micronutrients are essential for metabolism, which is my husband's jam. But you know, people who do my diet, my diet for their health also just lose their body fat as well, it's nice. Um, so it'll raise your metabolic rate. It'll raise your ability to heal. It'll optimize or help to start optimizing your immune function again. And it's going to make you more disease resistant. And I love my green smoothie every day, which I learned how to make from you. I swear, Listen, I, I am by no means like to the book with the nutrition and diet, but I certainly notice a difference if I'm not having that smoothie every day. And it, it totally makes a difference. It's addictive, right? Yes. I mean, if I don't have it, I don't feel normal. Yep. Absolutely. Energy, skin, like I just notice a different glow when I'm like downing at least 72 ounces of the smoothie. So every day. The beta carotene glow, right? It's the year round suntan of the beta carotene glow. <laughs> it's wonderful. Um, yeah. And we have free recipes at smoothieshred.com. We just, my, my husband put up, he made that website just as a free resource for people who are trying to have more fitness and health. Um, but you don't even have to add your email address. You just go and look at recipes and you can see the smoothie recipes and very easy. You just shove it all into a blender and then pour it into little cups. And while you're doing your work, while you ever, you know, just drink that. And then if you eat your burger, you eat your burger, but at least you got some nourishment. And it may just be, I call it the gateway drug of, health, of plant eating because you get that smoothie in and you're like, huh, I didn't know food could feel like this. I want a little more. <laughs> so you mentioned smoothieshred.com. Tell us all the other places where people can find you and connect with you on social media and the website. Sure. So social media, I'm at Goodbye Lupus. And that was just my my first book about my story. Uh, so that's how people know me. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Goodbye Lupus. And uh, my website's goodbylupus.com. And I, and I see people for everything. I mean, whether it's um, 
heart disease or diabetes, or even, you know, every single case of long haul COVID has come to me. We have cleared it up within a month. Um, it's been incredible sense of smell back, um, you know, brain fog gone. It's the nourishment that's been essential that, you know, for those folks who have it, they used up every resource they had to survive the virus. And then they ran out and they never got back to normal and we're getting them back to baseline again. So, um, so goodbyelupus.com. You can make an appointment with me or just look at all my stuff. I got free gifts. I got, you know, recipes and articles and all sorts of fun stuff to get people started with their health. Well, Dr. Brooke Goldner, this has been amazing. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we go? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing I think that's important to remember when you're trying to um, consider changing your diet, changing your lifestyle, changing your health, it's about your purpose and what you were meant to do in this world, which you can only do if you're well. And it's also about all the people who love you and need you in this world. And I think we have to get out of our heads where we're so focused in the moment on what we want right now. Like I want candy or I want meat or whatever it is. And think about what you want most for your life. And think about the people who love you so much that they need you to do whatever it takes to get your life back because you matter more than just how you feel, but the world needs your gifts and the people who love you need you here. Well said. And thank you for your gifts and for sharing all that you do as far as free resources and also how you work with your, your groups as well, because it's so, so needed. And I really appreciate you personally. Thank you. And I appreciate you. I love that you took the free gift I gave you and now you're doing work <laughs> to give that back and help the world. I mean, that's the domino effect of taking care of yourself. So, uh, so I appreciate you as well. And thanks for having me today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Brooke Goldner. Maybe learn something new and hey, maybe have a little reason just to give a try to either incorporate some hyper nourishing smoothies, maybe cut out your meat and animal products just a little bit more. Or hey, if you're ready, let's dive all in and go full raw vegan. Maybe we could do a challenge together. So make sure you find all of her information below in the show notes, connect with her, learn more about what she does. And if you haven't already also, make sure you're connected with me. I'm all the places, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, my information's below as well in case you need it because you know, I come back each and every week with new episodes all on health and happiness and I would hate for you to miss out. So until I see you back next week, because I know I'll see you then, stay happy, stay healthy. Thank you.